Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 47. I'm Michael John Simpson. And I'm Kitty Brown. This week our guest is photographer and art show curator Heidi Calvert. Michael and I both know Heidi from her art shows at the Hive Gallery. That's right. Kitty and I have both shown with Heidi in the past. We talked to her about boudoir and glamour photography, her work with Tess Holliday, photo retouching, body image, beauty standards, and the art and fantasy of fashion. It was a blast. You do you. Here's Episode 47 of the Something Something Experience. Time. <laughs> doing the doing yeah, freelance yeah. is pretty great. Yeah, right. it is. It's just that that period in between where you don't know if you're going to be starving or you know. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that. good to have that con- that constant workflow coming yeah. through. Yeah. yeah. If but, I had three or four different creative things that I could establish and work on bit by bit, so when one of them's off, there's something else always going on. I'd like to get into things like that, but I have yet to start even one. So, I mean. The podcast doesn't pay anything, obviously, but, um, and I never could make photography. I never could monetize that. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's made me not, not marketing myself well enough or, you know, maybe my art is shit or what, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody always said, said really great things, but nobody ever, just nobody ever wanted to buy anything from me. So, well, that's the thing is you have speak to speak with your money. Yeah. You always have to sell it. Yeah. yeah. You have to sell it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors to that, that I've been learning throughout the years. And I'm still, I'm still building my business. I'm always building my business. Oh, sure, sure. And it's, uh, it's my, what I'm passionate about. So yeah, yeah. I just keep doing it. That's what I want to get to is a place where I'm, I'm only, only doing things I'm passionate about. And because my career, I'm not passionate about at all. So. The old, yeah. the old day job IT gig is is soured tremendously in the past five <laughs> years, and I, I want out. But I unfortunately am so completely wrapped up financially in that career that it's going to be real. It's going to be a hard road to hoe to get out. You know? Yeah, what you need to do, I think, is um, kind of take time to work on the things that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. like make sure that you continue to practice that and continue sure. to study and continue sure. to right. learn about business and see what other people are doing and how well, are other people successful. Like creativity is a muscle, you know, like if you don't use it, it's going to atrophy. So like you have to keep working on your creative stuff, even while you're stuck in like a bad job. But Heidi's definitely right. Like the only way to make it is if you learn like the business end of things. Like, sure. If you look at my bookshelf, I have like a oh, ton yeah. of art books, but I also have like business small books. business for dummies and like the business of being a graphic designer and like all that stuff that tells you like how to, you know, monetize your passion. Sure. But not only that, but you create a lot of things that are for other people. It's not mm-hmm. about you at all. It's not about what you like yeah. or, you know, yes, you have your skills and mm-hmm. you have that to offer. And if people like what you do, that's mm-hmm. what usually draws them to you to hire you. But what the project that you're working on for another person, it's mm-hmm. not about you. It's about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then you have your personal work, yeah. which is what you're really passionate about. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, the ma- so the, the making, bread and butter feeds. The, yeah. You know, keeps, you keeps the, uh, the other stuff going. Yeah. You yeah. can't really complain about like, Oh, no one wants to buy my art or nobody. Okay, first of all, people aren't going to flock to you oh, right, to, right. to throw money at you. Yeah. I wish. Unless yeah. you're like a <laughs> Shut name, up and take my money. Like. Well, I, I used to do a lot of art shows I used to, with Kitty. And, yeah. and, you know, Kitty sold stuff and other people we knew sold stuff. I just never managed to be able to do that. And I was, you know, I had a website and I had 
business cards and had things and was talking to people and, and you know, be, doing the kind of thing you do at an art show where you kind of talk with people about your work to try and sell it a little mm-hmm. bit and sell yourself. And I did those things. It just never, I guess it just never quite found the right well, mix or whatever. One thing about the art shows that we were doing at Bar Sin is, like, the people curating those are, like, the ones that ruin. The people curating those weren't really acting as curators because if you're in a gallery, it's the curator's job to sell the art sure, to, sure, you know, sure, like sure. They I was. Go, you were, you, you were, absolutely yeah, you were. I curated uh, the night gallery for yes. a little while at Ruin. Yeah. It yes. was a fun little thing, yeah. and, and that's when and I we came sold back. some stuff. I think yeah. it was like the first time that yeah. they probably. Yeah, well, yeah I missed the night gallery at Ruin. That was that was fun, yeah. and that's that's where I really started. That's the that's the 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 one that made me want to build build my art display because I built this display out of PVC piping and and the big. The big yeah. space apart chicken wire to hang the art on and stuff. And yeah. Had a little table with a computer with the different things and a book full of different pictures you could buy and all these different things. And when just... um, the art gallery first started up, though, it was kind of like a free for all and like every person for themselves. Like the curator was not interested in helping you sell your art, she was busy selling her art. Right. It's like, more craft fair style. And yeah. she just basically booked the artist. Yeah, right, pretty right. much, you know, but then like when I started showing it like real galleries, like when I started showing it like the hive and cannibal flower, I was like, Oh, you mean like somebody's going to do this for me because they have a vested financial interest in this too. Like right. amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And they're going to take, but then they're also, ta- right. They're also yeah. taking yeah. a percentage of whatever they sell of yours. They're going to yeah. get too. So they haven't. And, and so, yeah. The the, the, the the goth club art shows there was never any any percentage taken off or mm-hmm. well actually some of them were and some of them were but most of them, most of the ones I were in were yeah like club hell and and uh, um, the 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 one at ruin and, and those ones I never there was never any kind of a, a, a fee yeah so I mean I can't say enough good things about the hive like I've sold a couple pieces there um, and Nathan Cartwright is like he's such a nice guy such an amazing person and like he'll actually sit down and like you know, tell me like, oh, I really like this about your painting, but I think if you did this, this, and this, you could be a stronger artist and like give me a series and stuff like that. So, you know, like if he's taking a cut, I don't mind because I've sold more at his gallery than I have at places that don't take a cut where it's all just up to me. You know what I mean? Well, artists, a lot of times they have a problem with the commission, but just Mm -hmm. think, Somebody's paying the rent on that gallery. Sure. Somebody's yeah. running you that gallery. You. You Somebody's paying the oh, power. Yeah. Somebody's mm-hmm. promoting you. Somebody yeah. is talking to a client to sell your work, yeah. you know? And, yeah. you know, yes, that costs money. That's going mm-hmm. to cost sure. you money. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and that made, that always made sense to me. I just never sold anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, it happens, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I guess I'm not really, really the fact that I never sold anything or anything like that, I'm not really complaining or whining about that. I'm just, it's just kind of more of a matter of fact thing that that just, it didn't, it, it turned out that, you know, whatever I yeah. had, either people didn't want or, or whatever, yeah. whatever it was, I moved on from that and I've been doing other things and I have been slowly getting back into photography. We're doing a shoot tomorrow. So, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Um, and you know, I'm getting back behind the camera again and doing some stuff for some cosplay, uh, cosplayers and things like that too. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I did the, I did the thing for a while and it, but it, it got to the point where it was, it was a whole lot of work and I wasn't getting any return out of it. And uh, it was a great, um, investment of passion, but it wasn't, there wasn't any, anything coming back to where I was even like breaking even. I was spending a lot of money on paper and ink and, and, mm-hmm. and supplies and things like that. And, and nothing was really coming of it. So it got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely 
a gamble, but you also, it all, it's a way for you to get your art seen. Sure, sure. And to get more known in the art world. Yeah. yeah. Um, believe me, I've got tons of framed art in my house that did not sell. Yeah. That was shown yeah. in galleries. Sure, so. yeah, yeah. Um, Well, and even from people who are, like, blowing up now, like, you showed me that Molly Crabapple piece from when, like, nobody knew who she was, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. That, she was... Um, she was in a show, she actually shown with me a couple times mm -hmm. and she would send art out from New York and that's a piece that she sent me to show in my gallery, like mm -hmm. way back in the day. And, uh, she never arranged for it to be sent back. So <laughs> it's mine now. Yeah. <laughs> I still have it, Molly, yeah. if you want to claim it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty yeah. much, uh, I think that there is a... Probably a lim a time limit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When it yeah. becomes the the curators. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I don't think she cares. She's doing. She's like so. She's doing all right. Yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> she's doing really really well, and her work is has uh, come a long way since then as well. It was mm -hmm. great then, but it's even greater now. So yeah. I'm sure that she doesn't really care. <laughs> well, I, I've been I've been investing time in my passions. I've been doing stand up again, and you know I've been working on the podcast. I'm going to LA Podfest in a couple of weeks. Yeah, LA Podfest. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you, have you figure out what day you're going? I haven't. With I'm still just so wrapped up in Wasteland Weekend. Like I had a fitting for my costumes, and I'm still trying to like put together my spear and stuff like that. Right. So that's kind of just like where I'm at. I'm gonna try and make it out for one day. But, okay. Like, uh, for, yeah, for yeah. I, I got paid on like at midnight on Thursday, and the first thing I was I was like up in the morning. Uh, before I was even getting ready, and I was already buying my ticket for, for <laughs> LA Podcast for the whole weekend because there's stuff I want to do on it each day. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I don't really know anything about podcasting. Um, well, it's it's been around probably about ten years ago. A lot of the first uh, podcasters, I mean, people like Adam Carolla and Mark Maron have been doing it for quite a long time, and it was kind of before anybody knew what it was. But you know, pod pod started hearing about podcasting probably back in the very early 2000s, back when it was like, what? You know, and the whole thing was everybody had iPods, so it was like making a program you could download and, and take and listen to on you. And most of it, most of them were very techie-oriented and things like that. Then mm -hmm. probably about five or six years ago, maybe a little longer ago, comedians started really putting out because it was a way for them to deliver free content and really up their visibility in terms of their work where people didn't have to go out and see them at a club or because or, there's no comedy on TV anymore. The, you yeah. know, like Comedy Central used to show stand-up clips and stuff all the time. They don't really do that anymore. And pe there's not that many comedians. Like, you watch The Tonight Show, and even if the occasional comedian shows up on there, it's not the old days where you do well on The Tonight Show, the next day your career blows up. The whole comedy business has changed, and especially in terms of uh, comedy albums and things like that. So podcasting for comedians is seen as a way to really kind of continue to provide content for people, usually free, so. Well, and a lot of people are doing so many interesting things with the media, sure, you know, sure. like we talked about Serial, we talked about Black Tapes, I right. love Welcome to the Night Vale. Yeah, you man, know? No, Welcome to Night Vale, yeah, my, yeah. yeah. I I listened to that for a while and then kind of kind of drifted off of it, because it kind mm -hmm. of, it, it, I don't know, it, it didn't, it didn't really grab me as much, I like it, but yeah. I, I don't, I didn't dislike it, but it didn't grab me enough to listen to it, you know. To go mm -hmm. invest the time to go through and listen to all the old yeah. episodes and catch up. So yeah, <laughs> so 
But yeah. our podcast is just about like, you know, everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny because I was telling um, someone like, yeah, I co-host a podcast. And they're like, oh, what is it called? I was like, the something something experience. And they're like, you don't know your name of like the podcast you're on. Like, how do you forget the name of your own podcast? No, I'm like, that is. Yeah. I'm like, it is literally called the something something experience. Like, <laughs> this is me blanking out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but uh, for us, for me, I started this just because I like talking to people about what they do creatively and uh, whether it's for a living or whether it's for a side thing or whatever. And, and mostly it's people, what they do for a living. And, and it's just interesting to talk to people and ask them impressions about their process and how they got started and what their interests are and, you know, where they went to school or this or that mm-hmm. and the other things. So, and yeah. it's my, always been much more of a casual conversation rather than a formal, yeah. you know, segmented thing like a radio program or some of some podcasts are like that, but ours is always just been um, very... Two T's in a pod is very segmented. Yeah, like, yeah. They're very yeah. organized. Yeah. You know? They've got sound drops and sound effects and, and Gilbert Gottfried in the helicopter. And, <laughs> and lots and lots, lots of liquor. Lots of liquor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we never we never get tied one on when I went there. Oh, so, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, the minute I got there, oh, they yeah. were like, have a drink. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. okay. It, it all depends on their mood and what they're in the, in the mood to do, whatever, yeah. from week to week. So. Well, as I, as I mentioned on their podcast, they are most gracious hosts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... What are you uh, What are you working on right now? What kind of uh, Do you have any big shows coming up? Or are you just kind of in the thing of doing the doing the, the touch ups for the other photographer and doing your own photography? Or what What you got going on? Okay, so I, I'm not. I haven't been doing very many shows, just because of the same reason that you were saying. I I don't really have the time mm-hmm. or the resources to be printing things out and framing them and doing that investment. Um, But I mean, I'm still interested in it and I'm still interested in curating and and all of that as well. But I've kind of put that aside while I'm working on building my business. So I'm a fashion photographer um, and also a fine art photographer. So I'm doing those two things. But I also get a lot of requests from women who aren't models Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I wanted to offer them the same kind of high fashion luxury experience. Right. Sure. Uh, that a model gets with the hair and makeup and the whole crew and everything. And just like a day in a life kind of thing. Groovy experience. Um, so I decided to start a boudoir business or really a portrait business, but focusing mostly on boudoir and, and glamour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so any woman can feel super glamorous yeah. and get the full treatment. Yeah. And- That's not the mall glamour shots. <laughs> exactly. Phony baloney. It's like a real photo yeah. shoot, right. like it's a, a real high photo shoot. And you're going to look good. You're going to, you're going to, right. You're going to, when you, the finished product is something that you would be like, wow, that looks like something out of a real magazine. Not, yeah. not, right. not. Mom, like, mom at the mall. Kind one of, thing. of the things that stuck out to me when you first started, you know, like the pinup boudoir kind of photo shoot stuff is you said, I want to make women feel beautiful yeah, and I want to yeah. show them like their own beauty. And I think that's so important. You that, know? One, that was always my goal when I was doing, I did, I, I did a lot of work with first time models. I did a lot of work with non-professional, you know, amateur models and just had a ball and, and, and just working together and collaborating and doing that thing to really to really bring out their power and natural beauty and and that was always my goal to really just 
you know, make them get pop and fierce. Because I use a lot of color and a lot of deep, deep angles and shadows and stuff, and it, just to make them just pop out of the out of the, the page, you know, or off the screen. So now that I think about it, you two have both taken like all of my favorite photos of myself, like that fall goddess one that I have as oh, a I love that photo shot. on Facebook. I yeah, I love it. That's like amazing. And that was such a fun shoot. Too. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a project. Um, I actually went back to, I started photography school way back when, and I never finished. I never got my, my bachelor's degree. So I went back to school um, a few years ago to finish my degree and Kitty helped me out with a couple of my projects that mm-hmm. I had to do for school. So yeah, that was one of them. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That was a lot of fun. And I just, I love that shot. Cause I remember like we were just walking and you were like, why don't you start dancing? And I was like, I should start dancing. <laughs> and you just start, started like snapping and like, you got that beautiful shot of me. Like, Oh mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. Well, I try to, um, I try to customize every shoot to bring out, the, that specific um, person's beauty, oh, and yeah. I know you love to dance, so mm-hmm. I know that's going to bring the magic out in right. you. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. and uh, I think it worked. Yeah. Because you, yeah. You, it's uh, a lot of women who aren't models don't really know how to pose, or they feel yeah. awkward. Sure. So, do have them do something that they feel comfortable, that they mm-hmm. feel in their element, and then you're they're going to shine. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't really like the idea. I actually just posted something on my Facebook page about this that I don't really like the idea of doing like a cookie cutter kind of um, uh, workflow with my with my shoots. Like there de- definitely has to be a workflow with the with the post production so that everything mm-hmm. has kind of a uniform look. Yeah. But um, you know, and it's recognizable as your work. Yeah. Uh, which is what. Um, people want to hire right. you for yeah, sure. and you do have um, a very distinct style mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. which yeah is and like i'm trying not to lose that with the consumer work yeah i'm trying to kind of give that same fashion look but mm. just a, maybe a little softer dreamier yeah um and again thinking about what people like Mm-hmm. Right. Not about what I necessarily like the best. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's probably gonna be less edgy, a little, a little more toned down in certain aspects. Maybe. Yeah, and I'm kind of working on. I'm working on building my own actions that are kind of like the Instagram filter kind yeah. of look because sure. it's really trending You're about right Photoshop now. Actions yeah, custom actions. Right, like. right. So I'm still working on all of that. I'm working on rebuilding my site with a with a section. That's for consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just building that look. But as far as the shoots go, I want to customize each shoot for for that woman, mm-hmm. you know, or, or person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not discriminating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, any yeah, gender. Oh, yeah. It's fine. You know, I'll do, I'll do boy boudoir, you know. Yeah. Nice. Boy dwarf. <laughs> boy dwarf. Actually, I, um, I told uh, Prince Poppycock I want to do boy boudoir with him. And nice. He's totally down. Nice. So. Yeah. And I did, I did some, uh, I did some fetish stuff and I worked with trans women. Uh, you, you probably know. I have as well. You know, Vina, uh, Vina, Vina Gina. Uh, she's way, she's really big in the, now she's big in the, in the, uh, Detroit fetish scene and goes back and forth between Detroit and LA all the time. Mm. An old friend of mine. And, uh, I did some stuff at one of the, one of the private dungeons in Hollywood and, uh, went in and did some shoots there. Cause mm. one of the, one of the clients wanted a shoot done to be like tied up and, and 
dress up and you know shot yeah um you know getting thrown around and stuff and, uh, <laughs> uh, and that was fun so and then you know lots that's of rare they yeah. don't usually want you're right you're right yeah. you're right but yeah this this uh this person wanted wanted uh you know to get dressed up um you know in kind of a cross-dressing type fashion with makeup and and you know pretty silky frilly everything and tied up and everything and, and wanted pictures of that for them i never never published those pictures but i did those privately for them and oh, actually you're just one, announcing one it the, to the world well, the <laughs> but, but it's not anything that it, i mean i don't even remember the person's name so right. um, it was, <laughs> yeah. um, and i'm sure it was probably not a real name anyway it was probably a pseudonym anyway but but uh and then I worked with a lot of women of color and, and of all different sizes and shapes and, and, and was, like I said, my goal was always to just, per, like, as you said, per person, cater, you know, distinct to that person and bring out that person's natural power and, and beauty. And, right. Their strengths. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I miss those days. I miss, I miss having that garage space that I had in my, when I was still with my ex-wife and had a garage space and. I put up, uh, I went to, to Home Depot and, and got black uh, tarp sheeting and stapled it to the to the rafters all the way around where it hung to the floor and made like a black square space and then put in like a bed and a, and a, a chair or a couch and, and used different colored fabrics and sheets and different colored lights and stuff and hung lights up high and down low and different angles and you know shadows and all that. And I, I really miss doing that. Yeah. I really always enjoyed the photography side of it more than the post-production and publishing side. Of I love all it. of it. Yeah. Really. I love Photoshop. Mm-hmm. I'm good at it. You know, you're very good at oh, it. But very, I spend very... a lot of time doing Photoshop since yeah. I work for yeah. another photographer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I am pretty much on the computer mm-hmm. all day, every day. <laughs> so I do lo- love it when I have the chance to get out there and shoot, which I make sure to do that at least once a week. Um, whether I'm booked or not. So, uh, it's definitely a balance, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep your passion going and you gotta work on, um, building your own dreams and not just, uh, working on building someone else's. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You have to work on, uh, your own as well. It's so important. Well, you've shot, like, I feel like you're really good at spotting talent before they blow up. Like I mentioned Molly Crabapple, but you also shot with a test holiday holiday before she became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Molly, actually that's true with her Mm -hmm. because I think that she performed her first burlesque show with me Mm -hmm. at one of my shows in New York because I used to live in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. With her, I spotted you know the, her talent, and a, a lot of people. Um, I I've been hired to bring creative people together because mm-hmm. I just it's not something that like it's not like a skill that I've learned or anything like that. It's yeah. just kind of like maybe <laughs> an instinct, but it's, I don't yeah. even realize I'm doing it. Sure. But yeah, sure. Jeffrey Star. Um, mm-hmm. He's a huge makeup artist and um, celebrity, you know, online. And I was one of the first people to photograph him that Mm -hmm. got him really noticed. Um, And yeah, Tess, um, she was already huge, but she hadn't signed to the modeling agency. And now she's like... She's like a supermodel now, oh, you yeah, know, totally, but at totally. that time she was already super pop. That was last year. You yeah. Know? It wasn't that long ago. Um, and, but she did really blow up, uh, mm-hmm. 
pretty soon after we did a shoot for um, the Powder Room magazine. And actually, that's how I I hooked up with her because I was shooting for the Powder Room and uh, the editor um, asked if I wanted to shoot her. And Mm -hmm. I said, sure, I'd love to. And um, we did a swimsuit. We decided to do a swimsuit Mm -hmm. fashion editorial. Yeah. And... And you know, those at first we were going fantastic. Yeah, yeah we were going to do so different fun. outfits and things like that. But then, you know, Jocelyn, the editor of the magazine, was like, "Yeah, I don't, I'm good with all swimsuits because Tess said she had a bunch of swimsuits that she just got." Mm-hmm. So I said, "Sure, let's do an entire swim plus size swimsuit editorial." Yeah, and um, I love the one with her with like great. the hot dog and the mustard. I think that's <laughs> oh. my favorite. Oh, I love that one too. Yeah, yeah I I There's had so that. much personality in that, and like she like comes through. You know, I had the whole idea to set up the whole barbecue, and we used. I mean, everything is like everything except for the mustard is in uh-huh. camera. Mm-hmm. Um, we did smoke bombs in the in the barbecue, and I used. <laughs> I was like, well, I want to do like a barbecue, but I'm vegan and I have <laughs> so like I got these, I found these um, rubber dog toys that are like hamburgers and chicken legs <laughs> and stuff, and it was like really, um, it was really kitschy, you know, mm-hmm. too. So I just I used those, and then she's holding the, you know, we got a lot of the stuff at the ninety nine cent store, yeah, you know, um, and put the smoke bombs in in there, uh, had an assistant do that and then jump out of the picture and then take the shots. Yeah. And Tess is just so amazing that like, she looked fierce in all the shots and, mm. and it was really, I just had her holding the, the bottle, like she was going to squirt the mustard. And then I was going to, you know, put it in post, have it come out. Yeah. And, uh, I had it all planned out. Like I had brought a white piece of poster board and I was going to squirt the mustard on there and then <laughs> have it, you know, just, just maybe squirting up in the air or whatever, squirting all over the place. And one of my friends was assisting me on the shoot doing um, the lighting for me, um, Chi Lee. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you should make it go like art in an arch over her head. It was totally <laughs> his idea to do that. And I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. That was yeah. so funny. And I was just like, you know, cracking up the whole time I was in Photoshop doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I was kind of nervous to show it to the editor of the magazine because <laughs> it was so ridiculous. And she's like, I am obsessed with the mustard. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out, yeah. But I love uh, having that hyper real, but sure. little bit of hyper realness in my photographs mm-hmm. and that humor. Um, yeah. I think all my, all of the images that I do, like my personal work and the fashion work especially have that like little touch of humor. Sure. And you know, it's always like my little inside joke with the, my, (laughs) the people I work with and myself or just Mm -hmm. myself sometimes just sitting there giggling to myself while I did (laughs) I did a, I did a vampire shoot at my, at my garage studio with, um, I don't know if you know, Heather Wolf and, and, uh, um, what was the other? Anyway, we did a vampire shoot, and and the one model had her fangs, and and I I whipped up, I got some some cherry jello and <laughs> and some some other food coloring, and so and made fake blood and put it in a squirt bottle and kind of you know around and everything, and and did and the cool thing about you know when you when you use fake fangs and bite it, look you can look make the illusion of biting into the skin because the way the skin flexes, it looks like you're actually penetrating 
the, the neck and everything, and they put little you put little squirts of blood around there, and it looks like it's welling up, and it turned out really good. It made a huge mess; it was all <laughs> over everything, but it turned out to be a really fun shoot. And it was, and it had kind of there were a couple shots that were just really just crazy, gratuitous, just like you know the vampire with all you know with blood and the teeth and all over it, just like yeah, you know the, the, the just the and and it, it there was a couple of those shots that were pretty pretty humorous, yeah. It's always really fun to create things in camera, but I love to create things in camera, but then also throw like little Photoshop things in there and people not really know whether Mm -hmm. like sometimes a lot of times people think that something is Photoshop when it's not like, for instance, the mustard, a lot of people don't know. I photographed a squirt of mustard and then composited and it's, it's real mustard, but it's, you know, composited and shaped in that manner. Um, but I, I did this image a long time ago before I knew I was good at Photoshop at all, like years and years ago. I did this one image that everyone loved of this girl, um, her name is Venus Prototype, <laughs> and she's ripping her chest open. She mm. just looks like a doll, and she's wearing this barbed wire hoop skirt. Cool. And she's um, ripping her chest open and exposing her heart. It's called Open Hearted. Nice. And uh, Jen Rose, this great effects artist actually did all of that makeup she did head to toe body makeup and everyone thinks it's photoshop and i'm like nope that was like eight hours of makeup work (laughs) and then i shot her in like 15 minutes (laughs) i used a lot of of colored lights in camera and people a lot of people assume that i feel you know did an after thing filter in 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 photoshop or or lightroom or something and it's like no i just that was all lights there on on set yeah. One of the shots that I did, uh, shoots that I did, I used a, uh, I, I used a, a blue floodlight and put it up high and then turned my black light on up above and used this, um, fluorescent green shoelace all wrapped around. And so the blue caught the skin and the black light caught the, the, the shoestring and everybody thought it was EL wire and it wasn't, it was just, or L wire and it wasn't, it was just black light it was all blue light black light and the the shoe string and then the, the model's skin and it turned out really cool yeah it's always fun to hear people's comments and what they think you know and um them trying to figure out your, your what you did but i love sharing my secrets too yeah, like showing yeah. people i would like to eventually do some tutorials as soon as i have some time oh my I'm trying, gosh yeah i'm trying to find out what people want to see in a tutorial mm-hmm. from me because I will teach anybody anything. I love to teach. I love mm-hmm. to train uh, people in Photoshop. And, you know, I, I love to promote creativity in people. You yeah. Know, or like, or, I mean, uh, it's just so interesting, like, you know, artist to artist to see someone else's process. So even if you just did, like, a video record of, like, here's the raw photo and this is how I make it look like a thing, you know, like, at double speed. Like, I love seeing those you know yeah i need to figure all of that out like you know how to make those videos and but i definitely and i have a lot of things on my plate right now so i'm always (laughs) thinking of a million things i want to do and i don't get them all done dude the struggle is real yeah (laughs) but i do i'm always thinking about them and i always like kind of researching and you know have my you know have my hand in many different pots at the same time and yeah uh, and again, what we were talking about before, sometimes you have to like, just, Hey, focus, yeah. focus on this one thing, do this, finish this, and then move on yeah. to the next thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's not me. I'm definitely a multitasker 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I always start. 
projects, but then it's like, which ones am I going to stick to and actually see to completion? Because I'll have like 10 ideas and I'll run with like all 10 and then I'll lose steam, you know, on like seven of them. So yeah, only those three actually make it like out the door. <laughs> yeah. At least it, when it comes to my personal work, like with client work, like I've never missed a deadline, but again, there's such a difference. There's yeah. that line between what I do for creative self-expression and what I do for money. Absolutely. If yeah. I'd have known more about Photoshop, I probably would have enjoyed the post-production process more or because uh, I, I felt like there were times when I definitely struggled with it and was kind of doing similar things over like the one or two things that I had kind of picked up on how to do over and over and over again. And, and it, it didn't always work out, you know, the way I wanted it to, but, um, a lot of my stuff went really largely untouched, you know, things like skin blush blemishes, mm-hmm. things like that. Cause I wanted the, the real, you know, the, the ways somebody really looks to kind of shine through unless they came to me and said, Hey, can you edit this or do the, choose this angle shot instead of that angle shot? Because uh, this is better or that or whatever. Then, but I never, you know, I never photoshopped out wrinkles or you know, blemishes or anything like that. So you can definitely do a lot of that with lighting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like I don't know mm-hmm. about you, but I started out shooting film mm-hmm. years and years ago. Mm-hmm. So did I. I've been shooting for many, many years, over twenty years, um, and I, you know, I printed in the dark room. I learned printing techniques to mm-hmm. make skin look softer sure. and things like that. Um, there was no Photoshop then, and yeah. or if there was, it wasn't something the that I had wasn't heard of yet. Photoshop, yeah. <laughs> it was an actual right, which I really miss the dark yeah, room I miss too. Dark rooms man. too. But, I did that um, in high school. Yeah, I um I started out, you know, when I first started going to school for photography, it was before mm-hmm. uh, digital came out. Oh yeah, but digital came out around the time that I moved to New York. And I was really ambivalent about switching over. Yeah. And then eventually I decided to go ahead and, and make the switch, you know, slowly but surely. I was shooting film and digital for a while. And then I started learning Photoshop just to do like a little editing. But I thought I got really good at Photoshop. But in reality, I sucked the mm-hmm. whole entire time. Because when I look back at those photos, I'm like, geez, these look terrible. <laughs> but, um, but when I went back to school, you know, I really, my main goal for wanting to be really good at Photoshop was I wanted to be able to create my own worlds because mm-hmm. there were a lot mm-hmm. of times that, yeah, you can build sets and you can do things in camera, but there were a lot of things that didn't exist that were in my head. And I want, didn't really, you know, or it would take so much effort and time and money to create it in, in camera. So that was really my main motivation for wanting to get really good at Photoshop and learn about um, compositing and, Sure. Digital imaging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so when I went back to school, I really focused on Photoshop, and that's how I got really good at it. And then plus, getting when I first started school, I that's when I got the gig working with this other photographer. Um, and so working on her stuff every day, doing Photoshop every single day, it's just like practice, practice, yeah. and. You can watch tutorials. You can watch Creative Live. It's an amazing mm-hmm. resource. Have you ever watched Creative I Live? Have before? I have. <laughs> it's great, isn't yeah. it? You were the one who first told me about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. I would love to teach for Creative Live someday. Yeah. <laughs> but I, for now, I love learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's certain uh, instructors that I really love. Lindsay yeah. Adler is amazing. Um, Sue Bryce is really inspirational. She knows so much about business and... She's also somebody, like, she says that uh, 
her evolution may have taken longer than some other people. Uh, but, you know, basically the whole time she was doing it. She mm-hmm. was moving towards this goal. And that's how I feel. I feel like my evolution may have been a little bit slower than other people. And maybe I did other things in the art world, owning a gallery and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I've never given up. Yeah. I continue to work towards this goal and to develop a more specific um, idea of what it is that is my dream career sure yeah yeah so and i think that you can always no matter how successful you've become that you should always keep building and keep working towards that because it may change trends change yeah oh yeah you you always have to continue to work on your business and Mm um what it is that that you live for, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of artists um, get this idea, and I saw this a lot while I was in art school, that, like, they're just going to come out of art school and be, you know, this art darling, someone, you know, who already has a name, like, say, Chet Zar or Molly Crabapple, you know, like... They worked really hard to get to Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. I knew knew Molly in the beginning, you know, and Chet, uh, I knew... I met him after he'd gotten pretty big already, mm-hmm. and I haven't, I don't know him really, really well, yeah. but he's good friends with Nathan, I know. Yeah. And Nathan is a really good friend of mine. We go way back. Yeah. It's like way before the hive, I knew mm-hmm. Nathan. They just, I don't know, like I, like I said, I saw it a lot um, when I went to art school. These people think, you know, like, oh, because I have talent, you know, I'm immediately just going to become the next, you know, like art darling or whatever. But, yeah. you know, they don't understand, like, there's so much work you have to put in to get to that level. And yeah, that so they give happen. up. I know a lot of people who have become really successful and they have all, I knew a lot of them at the very beginning and they have mm-hmm. all worked very, very hard to get yeah. to where they are. They've all so. been through a, a, an odyssey, if you will, of, of, of promote self-promotion and work and, and mm-hmm. failure and, you know, success and, and building themselves and building that career. Yeah. It takes right. a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And you can waste time hating on those people and, you know, crying about how your work is better <laughs> and how you should be famous or you can do it yourself. Yeah. You can continue to sure, work sure. towards it and you can accomplish the same things that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I've known a lot of artists for a long time and I love, uh, seeing their careers, change and develop and Mm -hmm. if I look back on my own career too the way that it's changed and developed I just love to see that evolution and people like that just keep creating no matter what and Mm -hmm. I mean I knew you too I think before you'd shown in a gallery before I I may have been the first person 18 (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you was I the first person you showed with uh you were the second first art show I ever did yeah was with Kendra Kendra at Barson um yeah yeah. 
But yeah, you. you but at the high, and I showed you. That yeah. was that was my first art show too, because because <laughs> Kay turned me on to that. Cause she was showing at that show, mm-hmm. and and introduced me to Kendra, and and we we all kind of met and started yeah. doing art shows around the same time at Bar Sin, and then we started doing Ruin, and then I started doing Club. You didn't ever show at Club Hell. No, you? I didn't yeah. show at Club Hell. Yeah, we started showing around the same time, and and uh, yeah, that's how I mean. I'm, yeah, it was like I've known you forever. Like yeah, my, my whole life or something. Right. So. Well, like, I remember the very first art show I did at Barson. I showed up in, like, a black tutu and a pink tank top and, that. like, <laughs> a silver, like, shiny princess. It wasn't tiara. your hair, like, cobalt blue or yeah. something or sapphire yeah, blue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that was my first time at a goth club, too. You know, like, that was just how I was dressing and your parents like, were there and, it was, and I yeah. was just sitting there going oh my god it's so and I was talking to Kay and I was talking to other people and I was like oh my god did you see the, the totally cute little art with a little tutu and everything yeah. and, and her art's amazing it's all this Aww. really great stuff and yeah, yeah that was like, really cool that was just like how I was dressing like in my everyday life you know so like when I showed up and like everybody else was like looking cool and they were playing the music that I loved I was like I'm home yeah. my people you know it's like this is this is where I belong yeah. you know and it's yeah. it's nice to have that feeling yeah. you know yeah <laughs> yeah that was yeah that was that was a long time ago. Ooh. Yeah. So, and did, didn't we meet through the rune scene? Like when yeah. I was doing the night we, gallery, we yep. you showed there yep. with me in the parlor. Yep. And then I asked you to be in a hype show. Yeah. You asked me to be in a hype show later. Um, you, you asked me to be in the B-Rotica show in, in 09. <laughs> and um, I have a really great, wonderful, romantic story surrounding that. That because uh, Dan, my, my wife, who's now my wife. Um, we had struck up a friendship online. We met at a party earlier that, that summer and, um, we met at a luau and, uh, we struck up a friendship and I helped her through a couple of personal things. And, and then that night she decided that 4th of July in 2009, that she was going to come out and snag me, you know, you know, get her, get her, get her hooks into me. (laughs) And she totally did. And it was, it was awesome. I had just broken up with a girlfriend. She had just broken up with a boyfriend and, and, uh, and that was the night that it all started. And now, you know, so six years later, we're married and happy. And It was so convenient when you guys started dating because you were both my friends. And, like, when you, like, moved in together and stuff, I'm like, this is the best. I don't have to drive to two places. Yeah. <laughs> it so. was more convenient. It, from a convenience standpoint, it was great, better living in the valley with her. But yeah. I'm, I'm much happier with living where we live now. So but. I remember you told me that before. And I actually, I, I wasn't surprised at all because... I have had so many people who I've introduced to each other or somehow they came together. Maybe they both came to the same party that I invited them to or whatever, who have ended up married or ended up yeah. you know, <laughs> hooked up or yeah. in some yeah. way, or maybe they just ended up friends or I've always kind of had that, like, I don't know. It's not, You've again, got the touch. It's not, <laughs> I've got the touch. It's not even like, and I'm not a matchmaker. I'm not like specifically, you know, trying to do it. It's just that. Well, you said you have these, this group, this collective collection of people, all there working on something they're passionate about. And I think that passion kind of bleeds over into interpersonal relationships as well as just the pure art and business and art of it. And, And that people, people kind of wearing their passion on their sleeves. It definitely makes, makes people attracted to one another. It definitely, I mean, 
art is definitely. I, I know there's a there's a term for, uh, for for being attracted to someone's intelligence, but there, I think there's sapiosexual. sapiosexual yeah. sap, but I think that there's there should also probably be an art version of that where you're, somebody is doing their, the thing that they're passionate about, and that makes them them attractive and sexy too. You know, that definitely for sure. Espe- especially with the photographer model, you know, kind of relationship of photographer and model of of. Put it, like you said, putting women in the you know models in these positions where they're doing something that really goes down the stripe of who they are, and they feel powerful, and that's definitely that pops, and, and it's attractive to to see to witness. Yeah, and I have that rapport with my models, sure, usually, sure, you know, yeah, where they feel they feel comfortable with me, and they feel like they can kind of open up and show a little part of themselves that maybe they don't show right all the time or. Um, so yeah, but you know, that's like a, a good example of, of one of those situations is my best friend from my first college years. Um, when I was taking my first photography classes, she was in my photography classes mm-hmm. and became my best friend. She's my sister-in-law now. She married my brother, <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've been married a long time now, so so it's like, like my best friend's my sister. Yay! I think that that as humans, from a from a psychology and maybe even a sociological standpoint, we're attracted to one another's vulnerability, and it's not a matter of a predatory sense in predatory sense, but but it's that it's that way in, it's that way into into somebody's psyche or through their defenses and i think that that the passion is almost kind of like that gateway you know everybody has that that wall up in that and then there's that combination of strength and personal power but also some vulnerability at the same time which makes that real thing that people are are compelled toward you know there's definitely a beauty to exactly exactly but you know for me i just like to observe it all and to kind of like take note Mm -hmm. and like you know, see different people's behaviors and what different people's vulnerabilities are. And I'm, I find it really fascinating mm-hmm. to just watch yeah. and to see how people are attracted to one another. And yeah, just to observe <laughs> what life is all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always, um, yeah, exactly. Interesting getting that like little glimpse into how people are the same and how they're different. Well, I'm still friends with a lot of the models that I shot with and the ones that, who haven't like moved out of state or this or that, but I still talk to them and still see them. And, and, um, um, you know, there, there were a few who, who came to do that photo shoot and then I never talked to them again, but I mean, you know, just people come and go kind of thing. But, but yeah, there was definitely a, a meeting of the, of the minds and of the kind of creative parts of ourselves and that kind of, I mean, it definitely you and I met on that kind of level and started mm-hmm. off that way. And, uh. And that blossomed into what I consider an amazing. I mean, you're one of my best friends. Yeah, so. exactly. Like you and Danny are two of my closest friends and two of my best friends. I yeah. mean, for fuck's sake, we're doing a podcast, podcast together. together yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've become really good friends with a lot of my models too. People who I met through a photo shoot. Sure. Well, um, you know, friend of the show, Victoria. Um, Victoria oh, Lane. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Victoria and I go way back, and she was one of the first people. When I first moved to L.A., actually, I moved to L.A. specifically for the reason that we've been talking about through this whole podcast, to shepherd creative people into this hotel that mm-hmm. my uh, my friends, who I worked for out mm-hmm. in New York, they were starting up, but uh, they were trying to open, or they opened, but it didn't end up 
successful, mm-hmm. um, a branch of their, their hotel, which was kind of like an artist, um, commune mm-hmm. type, you know, that was the idea. Right. Um, yeah. but it was an apartment hotel. A lot of people lived there that had lived there for many years and they didn't really mix so well with the artists. <laughs> And it was, a, let's just say, long story short, it was an interesting time. But <laughs> <laughs> I was the person that they brought out here to kind of like bring those creative people sure, together sure. and get, try to kind of get that thing going there. And really, I only needed to meet one person and bring her there for this to happen. And that was a young Lenora Claire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she knows she's, all she's, of the freaks. She's, <laughs> she's been on the podcast too. She was, uh, on, uh, she, she was on uh, earlier this year, late last year. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've known Lenora for a long time. Yeah. Long I time. met a lot of people like I, um, I would ask my photographer friends in New York, like who, what models do you know in LA? And I started getting in touch with different ones and, uh, it was Lenora. It was Persephone, Mistress Persephone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Victoria was one of them, Victoria Lane. And, uh, so yeah, she was one of the first people I photographed out here and we became really, she's actually one of my best friends now and she's doing her great, uh, I Lost Angels. cannot mm-hmm. wait for Lost Angels. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait. I'm like I'm chomping actually, at the bit, like, come on, it's let's really, go. <laughs> it's really magical, Lost yeah. Angels. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's her vision and, uh, you know, she's always had my back. She's always been there for me. She's always been a great friend. And I've always encouraged her to be, you know, to do what she does. You know, she's going to do it whether I encourage her or not. But let's yeah. face it. But um, I've always supported her creativity because I know, I know how magical she is and, mm-hmm. you know, and her abilities. And she sung at Blue Space. And I was like... Holy crap. Why don't you sing while you're amazing? You know? Mm -hmm. And she's just like, you know, well, you know, I'm whatever excuse, you know, like Mm -hmm. she has. Um, but truth is she's super talented and I believe in her. And I, so I offered to help out with Los Angeles. So I kind of do like, I host the, the live drawing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we have a live figure model there who's usually dressed in the, it's really more costume modeling, I guess. Mm -hmm. They're usually dressed in the costume of whatever the theme is. The next one that's coming up is um, 80s vampires. Yeah. (laughs) No sparkling or any of that kind of stuff. You're eating maggots, Michael. (laughs) I already know which, which vamp is going to be my, uh, inspiration for yeah my me too i i know exactly <laughs> what i'm doing too but i'm trying to get my wife to go along with it so yeah and it, it's nothing, it outra- nothing outrageous or? no well i mean i i'm what i w- am really interested in doing is is recreating uh john and miriam blaylock either beginning of the movie or later in the movie i haven't decided yet but but okay. that kind of they you know the the punk bar look that they had at the very beginning of the hunger or later in the movie you know or or but I haven't decided, but, you know. Yeah. Well, for me, it depends, I guess, on if I can get a costume together. Um, but totally Grace Jones vamp. Oh, oh yes. my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't think I can, like, paint my whole body, like, Keith Haring style or anything like that. But, yeah. you know, I'll just yeah. wear, like, the red dress. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. When is uh, the next Lost Angels since we're talking about it so much, it's. 16th, I want to say. I have it written down. No, it's. No, it's later. 
Yeah, it's later. It's it was going to be the twentieth. It's the next weekend. What is it? It's the twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. Yeah, I'm going to be Sunday at Wasteland weekend. Sunday, I have to look at calendars to know. <laughs> I have so many things booked, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really yes. looking. I'm looking forward. You guys to have to take all the pictures for me because I'm going to be off playing Mad Max in the desert. <laughs> so okay, Can't well you it. need yeah you need to come sometime. No, I come be the featured artist. I always like to have a featured artist that's <laughs> like our main uh, you yeah. know, attraction in you. I mean, everyone's drawing live yeah. that wants to, but... Well, I did um, that a uh, Even live, me. I don't yeah. really draw, but I draw anyway, and it's really fun. Yeah, I did that um, live drawing at one of your shows. I think it was the uh, Erotic Art School or Yeah, whatever. Erotic Art School. Yeah, Apollo was, and I want to bring that back. Please do. For at least, yeah. like, one comeback show. You had that model, and she was in the adorable, like, campy 1950s space girl costume, like, with the ray gun and everything. Yeah. And I got to, like, live paint her. That was so much fun <laughs> yeah i think i met her at um the one before the mm-hmm. she'd come to the the second erotic art school i think and then i asked her to model for the third one <laughs> so um yeah that was a, a really good time that was when uh, apollo had his his studio does he still have the gallery there no he no because he moved away for a while mm-hmm. and uh oh. <laughs> so he had moved out. Yeah, he moved away for love. <laughs> Best reason and to move. Laugh. He's back. Uh, oh, Apollo has no shortage of love. <laughs> Everyone loves Apollo. <laughs> I'm not too worried about him. <laughs> but um, yeah, we definitely. I haven't seen him in a while, but um, we were talking about that because a lot of people always ask, like, bring back erotic girls glow. Oh, that was so fun. Yeah. People say that about Blue Space, too, but, you know, I'd I mean, I will I'd love to bring back like... Blue Space, but, <laughs> again, too many things, yeah. too many projects. Well, if you bring it back, I will draw as many pinup illustrations as you want for <laughs> it. Like, I'm so down. That was always so much fun. I had a good theme, too. Yeah. And I forgot what it was, but I think I told <laughs> follow, I hope. Because <laughs> I always do that, too. I always get ideas, and then I don't. Sometimes I don't write them down, and then I forget what they were. I was like, I remember I had a really good idea about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wish I knew what it was, but... Well, there was another... one. No, there was another draw for me being in the Verotica show, because uh, one of my inspirational artists for, for me actually picking up a camera and doing, like, working with models and doing fetish and kind of erotic photography was Steve Diagetti, and he was oh. in that show, too. And he actually didn't come to the opening reception, though. I was kind of disappointed uh, that he Well, he usually, he usually comes when he's in the show. Right, yeah, I've, right. shown, I've shown him a lot. But I've been, in, I've been an admirer of him since the mid-'90s when he was still in Chicago. So I, oh. I, I knew him before I moved to L.A. I knew of him and had, you know, downloaded pictures of his and had him as desktops and stuff on my computer and... and, and that, he was one of the people that inspired me to, to do what I do. So awesome! Yeah, I love Steve. He's yeah. he's a good friend too, and he's an amazing artist. Yeah, I've chatted um, with him online a few times. I've never actually met him in person. I know so many people who know him are like, "Oh, yeah, he's great." It's like, I never yeah, him, so. he's a really <laughs> he's a really sweet guy. Um, I met him when I first moved here too. When I first moved here, I was my photography was more. I had two two styles it was like erotica Mm -hmm. and really gory like uh dark 
mm-hmm. art, <laughs> fine yeah. art. Yeah. Um, like horror kind of stuff. And sometimes I combine the two. Um, but mostly it was just like those two things that, and, um, yeah, I guess I'm, my personal work, a lot of times it's, it's that darker, has that darker edge even still. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that art for me, uh, to put your, your dark side into your art is kind of really therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cause you're, you're channeling it sure. into it's something and you're creating somehow. something creative. You're right. creating something. It's yes, it's dark. Yes, it's macabre, but it's beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the erotica goes, I just, yeah, I, 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 again, that's the whole, you know, vulnerability thing and all sure. that I love about it. But I just, you know, kind of changed things up and started doing more of the fashion, which I kind of, Everything that I've done throughout the years, I sort of try to like throw into what I'm doing mm-hmm. presently. And I've come back around with the boudoir, the boudoir, you know, the whole um, erotic nature of boudoir is mm-hmm. comes naturally for me. And yeah. people are really loving it. And it's funny because I am decided to do that to reach consumers or mm-hmm. just sure. average, you know, sure. regular women. Right. Yeah. Every woman, you know, not just, uh, not to create something for a company, mm-hmm. but companies have been really interested in that work. Nice. <laughs> I've been posting that stuff on Instagram and things mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of fashion companies have been, seems like paying more attention to that than some mm-hmm. of my fashion work even. So yeah. I'm like, maybe I need to kind of like combine these two things a little yeah. bit more, like just subtly, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, again, so. the message that I love with like all of your boudoir stuff is it's so empowering. You know, and like you can tell, like all of the models just like feel great about themselves. Like yeah. it shines That's the goal. Through, That's know? what I want to do. You yeah. Know? Uh, I don't <laughs> want anybody like feeling self conscious or worrying. Like there's no, there's no need for that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we all have our own sparks of beauty, and we should just not compare ourselves so much to others. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, just trust. Trust that, you know, that we are beautiful. You, yeah. You have to feel that from, you have to feel that from tonight. Not, not try, not like think about like, what are other people going to think about this? Or is mm-hmm. this going to press somebody else? Or, yeah, you know, I want to look like this person. No, just be your, be your beautiful self and just know if you, if you know that from within, if you know with all your heart that you're beautiful, Mm-hmm. then that's going to shine outward and sure. other people are going to notice. Yeah. yeah. But that's not the, that's really not the goal, is it? Like that other people notice. It's just that you feel that way. Yeah. For all the, for all the, the fakeness and, and, uh, contrived nature of a lot of popular culture that we have these days, people that I talk to over and over again, really have a sense of, of what's authentic and what's not. And, yeah, they're and starting when to. When people are, there's, there's, there's this subset of, of everything that, that, that people are being drawn towards what's more authentic. In, mm-hmm. And that's what I think a lot of the, the working with models and all, the, all that is, is when they feel really, truly powerful and sexy and beautiful and that shows through and you can see that. And it's, it's nothing that you can manufacture. It's nothing that you can, you can, you can try, but 
and people can people's bullshit meters are very finely attuned. I think that's something that that all people really have a, a sense of is is being able to sniff out bullshit and also but being drawn to what's truly authentic. Well, yeah. I think too, like people are tired of being marketed to, like yes. especially on social that's media. That's exactly yeah. what it is yeah. too. Beauty yeah. standards is marketing. That's yeah. it. It's all made up. Yeah. Like everything everybody knows about beauty that has been told to us is made up. Somebody mm-hmm. sat in a boardroom and went, so what should we say is the new trend or what's beautiful? You know, yeah. it's, I mean, maybe not specifically like well, that, but it's like those it's, scenes in AbFab where they're sitting around literally. saying what's trendy yeah. this week. What's, what's happening now? What yeah. should we tell people they well, should care about? Like, right. And they, people, people do have bought into it for a long time. However, like you said, they are starting to shift and start realizing because people people go by their how they feel yeah. a lot of times and instead of what they have been taught to think, mm-hmm. you yes. know, and it's starting to create, it's really interesting time right now. Like, again, with Tess Holiday becoming the first model of her size mm-hmm. to be signed to a major agency. Yeah. Like, yeah, people are starting to realize that... Uh, beauty standards are made up. That they mm. are social constructs that have when been When the hell is Cosmo to gonna fucking go away? I mean, seriously. <laughs> but there, but Cosmo and all the fashion magazines. Here's the thing: you've noticed I'm a fashion photographer. I love fashion. I am a plus size woman myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't fit into the fashion world, mm-hmm. but I'm very fascinated by. It. I love the art of fashion. I love couture. Mm. I mean, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even if that's those clothes aren't made for me. Yeah. Um, I can still appreciate they it. They still have an aesthetic beauty and to them. Yeah. All the fashion magazines, they are selling something. They, it, the women that are in these magazines are not supposed to look like you. Yeah. They don't even look like themselves. Mm-hmm. They are just, they're mannequins. They're, they're, they're living mannequins. I mean, they're not almost. mannequins, but they're art. Yeah. They're oh, art. Yeah. It's yeah. Art. art. Yeah. And it's, you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the whole, fashion photography photography in general it's it's an art and you're supposed to look at it and and you're supposed to want to uh feel like that emotion that you're feeling when you look at those images you that that's what it's all about it's to, capturing that for yourself right and to evoke and to live that lifestyle Okay, it's a representation of a lifestyle. It's a representation of beauty. It's not actual Almost beauty. a hyper-reality, yeah. like you said, like right. a hyper-real. Like, it almost gets a little bit into Uncanny Valley, like, especially with some of, like, the photoshopping that I see. Like, it's just, you know, a little too But extreme. it's fantasy. Yeah. It's fantasy, and that's uh, what people yeah. have to realize. And, and it's so obvious, so I don't understand what the problem is. You know, like, I mean, it's... It is sad though. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna downplay if, if a, if, if a young girl, in fact, mm-hmm. looks at a beauty magazine and feels bad about herself yeah. because she's comparing herself, but somebody should be teaching her that this is not reality. It's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm, this is not, that, this I is think made that's up. part of the problem because of a lot of the systemic issues that we have about women and young girls and, and things mm-hmm. that, that, a lot of people in general across the board of all things don't get subtlety and, and have problems distinguishing in what's meant to be fantasy and what's meant to be reality and, and allowing themselves to be taught what to think and how to feel too. Yeah. And well, you have to tell young, young people that this is, this is a thing that's out there. 
it's not necessarily intended to be something to aspire to. It's just intended to be more like object to art. Or this or is like a, a, representation. a representation. Yeah. yeah. This is you know. Well, like this is not who you or anyone's ever going to be. This is selling you a lifestyle, selling you a an attitude or an emotion. Or an emotion. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of fashion photography is like, to me, when I look at it, like somebody like Richard Avedon, you know, (laughs) who created these beautiful art images that were fashion um, and so many others that are, you know, doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you look through a fashion magazine and you stop because the photograph is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. would you love to look like that model? Or live in that fantasy? Well, hey, she's wearing Dolce & Gabbana. She's mm-hmm. wearing Chanel, sure, you know? Sure. <laughs> but this is, for most people, not an attainable thing. Right. You yeah. know? Well, Star Wars for, isn't real either. We all yeah. like, we all, we love to show <laughs> up money be, to go and you know, sit and look at that, too. And, yeah. And you want to be Darth Vader. And, right, and be... fantasize. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm not a Star Wars person. <laughs> right. But I mean, I'm just using it as But you'd analogy. love to live in that world. Sure, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's a fantasy. It's a Kitty fantasy. Kitty does live in that world. But... Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, I'm a Sith Lord, but right. I mean, I think the root problem of it is not just that, you know, uh, parents and like educators aren't telling young girls like nobody looks like this. The core root of it is that women on the whole are still judged first and foremost by how we look. Mm, like it's mm, not about mm. our accomplishments. It's not about our skills or our intellect and talent. It's just like, is she fuckable? Right. Is she hot? Right. Like, right. you know, and it's not even just from a, from a male perspective. It's from a female, from yeah. a competitive female perspective yeah. as well with each other. But that, a lot of times, is also based on brainwashing. And, yeah, yeah. it's know, internalized yeah. misogyny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, what we've been taught by corporations who want to sell you something. Mm-hmm. Diet programs. Oh, gyms. You but know, I think the beauty argument, products. I think the argument can be made, though. You're that, ugly unless you buy this stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I think the argument can definitely be made, though, that the fashion industry can be construed as a component of Oh, it's absolutely a component of that. But you just need to understand that's what they're doing. That's all I'm saying is right. understand right. that they're trying to sell something. Yeah. Right. Don't take it personally. <laughs> that's the bottom yeah. line. I, I had this moment like a couple years back when I was working for a makeup company. I was out at Target. And you know how they put like the hippie sunblock like in the makeup aisle? Like I was grabbing my, you know, like cruelty-free sunblock and this little girl was with her mom buying makeup from the first time. And the mom was like oh, you look so good in, like, this blue, blah, 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 you know, and, like, trying to get her to, like, decide on something. And this girl was like, when do I get to look like that? And she pointed to, like, the big, like, Revlon ad that was, like, in the other aisle. And I just, like, yeah, it was (laughs) so scary. I just stopped, and I was like, hey, sorry to interrupt. Like, I'm a graphic designer. I work for a beauty company. Like, I've just been Photoshopping people all day. Like, let me tell you, like, no human being looks like that. You right, know? not even that model. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Like, that person does not look like that. I just spent, like, four hours today, you know, using a Gaussian blur underneath the original photo and then erasing it out to make a model look like she never had a pore in her life. Like, you know, it's smoke and mirrors, and it's, you know, not a representation, like you said, of what human beings it, look like. It, it, it's the point <laughs> where it almost might might as well be computer-generated from the get-go. It, it was originally a real flesh-and-blood human being that was photographed, and it's been manipulated to the point where it may have 
may as well have been almost to the point where it may have been computer generated. I mean, I still think it's important to shoot like actual human beings, but again, there needs to be that understanding that like this is not what humans look like. Right. You right. Know? right. <laughs> yeah, and models are beautiful for a reason. Let's face it. You know, I mean, right. like, and it usually they, comes down to like bone structure or interesting. And, Sometimes like, it's not even symmetry, right. And stuff like that. It's more of an interesting look rather than a what's a you know than looking like a Greek statue or whatever you know. And it's to get people to look at that fashion ad or to yeah. look at that makeup uh, ad or whatever yeah. you know. Right. Um, One thing I like, there's a lot of makeup companies now because they know people don't want to be marketed to in that same way. They're going in a more, like, creative route with it. Like, Sugar Pill is really good about showing models who are just, like, doing cool shit with their makeup, you know? Like, oh, here's blah, 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 and she used seven of our colors to make herself look like an undead mermaid. Or, you mm -hmm. know, like, here's another model who used this for, like, Calaveras makeup, you know? And so, that is really more, like, reaching the real average, you know, person. Yeah, yeah. It's like, more anybody like, can play with makeup. Anybody yeah. can have fun with fashion. Yeah, it's um, more about what you can create with it rather than, like, having to achieve a certain, like, beauty standard, you know? Right. And so in that way, it's, like, costume or it's, you know, creativity, so... But it's just... The thing where it's gone too far is that people, people let it rule... Um, their decision making and what they show to others. Mm -hmm. um, they want to, they don't want to seem like they're weird or something <laughs> for physically being attracted to something that is outside of the beauty standard. Yeah. Like, you know, for instance, a lot of men are expected to like a certain kind of woman, mm -hmm. you know, and what if they don't? What yeah. if they don't? Yeah. That's yeah, okay. I've, I've never... But maybe they don't want all their guy friends to know that. Which is you so know? weird. And I was always one of those guys who didn't give a shit what the other guys thought. I, I call me weird, call me whatever. And it doesn't make me better or worse or anything. I'm just, I've just always known that I was just different than a lot of most of the other boys <laughs> in that, you know, the hot model eating the sloppy hamburger isn't going to make me want to go out and buy a hamburger, uh, you know, on, on TV. That's not going to happen. You know, I'm not going to drink Pepsi because Cindy Crawford is is drinking a Pepsi in that commercial with the baby in the Super Bowl, blah blah. You know, that's, <laughs> that just that kind of advertising in general doesn't really work on me. It doesn't. I have I don't know what it is about me that's just kind of like, yeah, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. And and I'm going to pick and choose the things that I like or the things that I want for myself rather than being marketed to. And right. And if somebody wants to make fun of you for liking something that's not like what you're supposed to I don't care. think is sexy I really or yeah. is supposed to think yeah. is right. cool. Right. Who gives a fuck? Right. Right. You know? And it's that whole thing of, of larger women or women who are unconventionally beautiful or they don't adhere to that, whatever that quote unquote standard is. And I was always outside of that or had a much broader spectrum for what I considered attractive. And I was always okay with that. I'm like, I don't care. And like, like, I remember when I was DJing, and of course there's lots of guys around when they were working in a nightclub back in Colorado. It's all, you know, these frat boys basically, you know, these buff <laughs> frat boys working as bar backs, working as bartenders, working as other DJs or whatever. And I was DJing and I'd start chatting up some, some woman, you know, hoping to, you know, have some fun or whatever. And the guy's, hey, yeah, you, she's a little, little chunky or whatever. I'm like, 
so she's a human being, and we're, I'm, I don't know. I don't. I find her attractive. That's up to me, yeah, not to you. That's it's great. not up to you to tell me what I'm attracted to or who I'm attracted yeah. to. Yeah, and that's a real man right there. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But I don't need to brag. <laughs> Can I just say for a second, like I am really super happy with my body. Like I love having curves. I love you know like having an hourglass and everything. But for me, I didn't really start becoming confident in my body until I saw it as like functional rather than decorative. Yeah. yeah, Like I've I've mentioned like I'm working out, I'm working with a trainer and stuff like that. And like what makes me feel really beautiful is that, you know, I can deadlift like 70 pounds. Feeling strong. Yeah. Feeling strong and powerful. That's we've, we've talked many times on the podcast about my wife and about Danny. We've been losing weight. We've been exercising Mm -hmm. and feeling better about ourselves. And she was dealing with some body dysmorphia issues. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's made her, feel better about that and be able to process those issues and get past them more is the feeling of strength and power in her mm-hmm. legs and her feeling. She started running. She started running recently and, and, and with our trainer and I can't cause I have arthritic feet and all myriad things wrong. With I can't run, mm-hmm. but she started doing that and that's making her feel she's got this goal to run a 5k and yeah. by a certain time. And that's helping her feel more powerful. And as you said, it's more of a terms of, feeling functional rather than decorative. And I I like that. Yeah. And I think that you, I think that's the whole thing that, um, is where we go wrong as far as, um, our ambition to Mm -hmm. want to be healthy or to lose weight or to look a certain way or anything like that. Like we feel so much societal pressure and Mm -hmm. believe me, I have felt that pressure my whole life. I've, I've been, plus size my whole life since I was a child and I have totally gone up and down with my weight throughout well, it's my like years day in and day out you know like yeah but it comes <laughs> down to being healthy and feeling mm-hmm. good and right now I'm trying really really hard to lose weight yeah um and I need to I'm go not... with you to Zumba by oh, the way Zumba's I see my new, Zumba's my new jam yeah. I've been going to Zumba <laughs> like find your thing that yeah, makes you I feel love, better I love it's all about Zumba and I sweat my ass off and I'm starting to learn the steps so I'm starting mm-hmm. to feel cool like it not so awkward in the class yeah um I I love cycling I used to do that a lot yeah um, I've kind of need to get in back into practice with that again. Yeah. But there's certain exercises that I love. I love hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been working really, really hard and it's harder than ever oh, yeah. to see any weight sure, come sure, off. Sure. However, I have seen progress in my blood pressure has gone mm-hmm. down. Oh, yeah. It's normal. You know, oh, for yeah. a couple months I had high blood pressure, but so I've got that back down. So many things are better since I've started. I don't have stomach acid issues anymore. Right. I don't have lower back pain anymore. Yeah. And that's yeah. your body telling you, you are becoming healthy. Your body is resilient. Yeah. And even if you start to, you know, like I had pre-diabetes, I took oh, care of that by just cutting back on my sugar and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I, I'm so happy I'm more happy when I go to the doctor and they tell me, hey, you know, your sugar levels are this many points down. And now you're yeah. only one point away from not being pre-diabetic. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, your um, your asthma is like practically gone now. And, you yeah. know, you and you can feel it when you're walking upstairs. You don't get out of breath. Mm-hmm. Right. Your body is telling you 
hey, you're doing great. Your scale, it doesn't, it doesn't, fuck your scale. Your scale is not telling you shit. Go it, by how you feel. It doesn't hurt to mm-hmm. bend over and tie my shoes anymore. Exactly. I, don't have to, I, don't, I no longer have to fold a bowling ball in half to tie my shoes. Yeah. But if you just like let that motivate you, like mm-hmm. the way you feel, you're feeling good, and not what somebody has to say or what comments mm-hmm. you get or what that fucking scale says, right? then it's going to, eventually it's going to happen, first of all. And whether it does or not, you can feel good about yourself. Yeah, you're going to start yeah. feeling more sexy. You're I've gotten start to the feeling... point where I've started buying new clothes, smaller clothes, and I've dug out totes of older, smaller clothes and started wearing those again. All my old gothy club clothes, I started being able to fit into those yeah. again. Too. Yeah, well, so I lost like a hundred pounds a few years back, and I had that body dysmorphia thing too. Sure, and I we think, don't see it. Yeah, honestly, I think that's part of why I gained all the weight back and a little bit more is mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. couldn't handle being average sized, quote unquote. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. feel like that person. I felt like I was in somebody else's skin. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like. But see, I need to get, and everybody needs to like get past that. Like, you are who you are, no matter what size you are. Right. Yeah, you can. You don't have to let it hold you back from doing anything. You don't have to say, well, when I lose weight, I will Mm -hmm. do this. No, do it now. Yeah. You know, and if you're afraid of people judging you, don't be. Right. Mm -hmm. The best things that happen in life are out of doing something that you're afraid of doing. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I've done that many times, moving to New York by myself with no money in my pocket (laughs) and being homeless, living in a hotel. Which led to ultimately me being here, owning my own gallery, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just making that first leap, yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah, you know, that was me getting back, getting back, getting on stage and doing stand up for the first time last yeah last year or so. I don't wait around forever, yeah. or, you know, it may not happen, and you just have to accept yourself now how you are, and mm-hmm. just keep being healthy and not worry about what people say and not worry about people that are talking out of their ass that don't know what they're talking about. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> some people have harder time losing weight than others. Some people it's impossible for them to lose weight. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's just how their body is. As long as they're yeah. healthy, that's their business and their version of health is their business. It's mm-hmm. not anyone else's. And yeah, that's that. Yeah. Fuck the haters for sure. I definitely <laughs> like, I, I know I've given him a shout out before, but I really want to give a shout out to my trainer, Will McMichael, because like I was looking for a trainer for a long while. Cause I wanted to specifically build like upper body strength and core strength and build like, you know, muscles on my arms. Like I just want my punches to be better in Muay Thai. That's like my goal right now. But, um, I was, you know, talking to trainers and talking to trainers and telling them, like, I want to build muscle. This is not about fitting a size for me. Like, this is about, you know, like building functional muscle and getting stronger and da da da. And I'd have so many trainers be like, well, I can help you lose two dress sizes in a month. And I'm like, you didn't hear what I said. Right. They're not even you know? listening to what you want. Yeah, exactly. And Will was the first trainer that I talked to who, when I said, you know, like, I'm not trying to get skinny to fit a size. I'm not trying to, like, achieve a look. I'm not trying to get pretty. I am trying to get strong enough to kick anyone's teeth in. And in the process of that, that was your goal. However, it's shown in your dress size, like, or... Maybe not even, but you definitely have toned up a lot. Thank like, you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you post pictures of yourself and you can see the change. Thank you. you know? yeah, so that wasn't, yeah. that, that's just a bonus. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't your yeah. goal. Yeah, exactly. I definitely feel better in my clothes and I feel more confident. I can get in front of the mirror and be like, yeah. Well, my, my ultimate goal was more years with Danny. 
I, I didn't want to die early. I didn't want to die prematurely of whatever, fill in the blank. Right. Of, yeah, you know, that's weight, my ultimate weight, goal weight associated disease mm-hmm. of some, you know, heart, whatever. Yeah. And I, that was my goal was to just live longer. Yeah. And yeah. that's been a good motivator. And, yeah. and, and we work out together and, and having that, it really helps both of us mm-hmm. as well. But and, that has to also be your decision, not just right. some random person on the internet that's like, no. well, it's unhealthy and, you know, you're going to die of heart disease. Oh, it's like, God. oh, really? Uh, are you a fortune teller? Are you a doctor? You know, like, There's, who are you? Oh, what's her name? Nicole something. She's like a YouTuber and she's just this obnoxious girl who is constantly like being an asshole to everyone. She just well, it's not giving her any attention. Yeah, oh, okay. No. Sorry. <laughs> um, there was, there's some, um, video that she put out that was like fat shaming. And like, I think I watched that today. It was like, but it wasn't her video. It was, Oh yeah, the, yeah. I, that's what I wanted <laughs> Which, to talk about. It, it was, was like perfect. I was to- I was torn because there was like a little bit of misogyny in some of his comments, but at yeah. the same time, it was like, well, actually, mm-hmm. she didn't do anything to earn any respect, so I'm cool with it in this yeah. particular case. There is a plus size girl who actually is, um, I guess coming out with a TV show on TLC that's, like, fat and fabulous or something like that, but it's just, like, her life being, like, a plus-size woman and, like, being normal and being happy. And she put out a response video, and she's said the same thing, you know? She's like, you're not a doctor. You're not, you know, a psychic. Like, concern is very different than, like, fat shaming, and that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. Is that... I think I might have seen that show before. It's called something like My Big Fat Fabulous Life. Yeah, something like that. Plus Size Life or something like that. Well, yeah, but I... Actually, I watched that show Mm -hmm. one time before, and, um... I guess she has, like, a medical condition that she she used to be... She was a dancer, and she Uh actually is a dancer. She still is a dancer. Um, She, like, teaches dance class. Mm -hmm. And she... um, But she had a medical condition that made her Mm -hmm. gain all that weight. And she she can't lose it. Yeah, I think it's, like, polycystic ovary syndrome or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But she's super super healthy as far as, you know, she's a dance instructor. Yeah. She works her butt off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whitney, is that uh-huh. her name? I think so, yeah. 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 She put but, out, like, a perfect response video. You was know? she the one that, that had the, the, like, the box and she was going up and down on the box and everybody's like, you shouldn't do that that way, you're going to kill yourself, blah, blah, blah. And then she's just like, no. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure, but. Yeah. yeah but I think yeah. that people need to mind their own damn business. Yeah, exactly. right? um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, you don't know the, you don't know what kind of health problems a person has that mm-hmm. make made them gain weight maybe or keeps them from losing weight and you don't know whether or not they're unhealthy yeah you know i mean i usually i post a lot of my um health statuses mm -hmm. on facebook because i want to prove that i'm pretty healthy i'm like a pretty normal person i'm like healthier than a lot of thin people and i definitely eat a lot healthier than a lot of Vegan my, diet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my motivation for that was definitely because I'm, you know, an animal activist. Yeah. 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 Ethical um, vegan. Yeah. Same yeah. Here. Like ethical. Yeah. But, um, but being an ethical vegan has makes it so that I, you know, don't have any desire whatsoever mm-hmm. to eat ice cream or you know, anything. Unless it's those churro ice cream sandwiches. And yeah, churro. vegan ice cream, sure. Yeah, actually, I don't eat much ice cream these days either. The so, Actually, you know what my new favorite thing is? What? It's, have you tried 
freezing bananas and putting it in the food processor and like putting your own flavors in and that's ice cream. No. Oh my God. It that beca- sounds so It becomes good. like a ver- vegan version of soft serve ice cream and it's yeah. com- entirely made out of fruit and it's creamy and delicious. Uh, and it's my new thing. That sounds like, really good. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. You got to do that. Like cut up the bananas. We allow ourselves ice cream like once a month. We'll I go, think we'll chocolate. Do a treat some, some, some flavor. Yeah. Some flavors I've made, I've haven't worked out too well, but I like if you use another another fruit like strawberry or peach or something like that, you really can't go wrong. Yeah. But and I've done chocolate with some cacao powder, Ooh, and you can put a little good. maple syrup for sweetener if you have mm-hmm. to. Or if the bananas are really ripe, you don't really need to. Yeah. You put a, like a little bit of um, coconut milk in there. Mm-hmm. I've made it a little more fattening with putting coconut cream. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love that coconut cream. Oh my God. Yeah. That I can turn somebody vegan with a, uh, that coconut whipped cream. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My, my new favorite vegan thing that I've been eating all the time is a garlic avocado aioli. Like I'll just put that shit on everything. And it's literally like, avocado and a little bit of vegan mayo for like creaminess and then like two cloves of garlic and i put like some sage and some like uh lemongrass and lemon pepper in there i just I'm it's hungry. good on everything and we're talking about healthy food yes, so. we are. yeah we are. yeah <laughs> all that good fat you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally oh yeah i love avocados how can you not if you live in california right and we're so spoiled here like we can get them year round you know yeah yeah, yeah. avocado on everything yeah all the things and i introduced you to avocado toast yeah that was pretty good actually around that time there was some stuff going i saw recipes online of somebody like the oprah somebody said something <laughs> about it and then it was, they were doing it at work as well and i was mm-hmm. just like i was there was just this right before we had it that morning mm-hmm. uh uh, like a month earlier than that, it was like avocado toast was everywhere. I love avocado <laughs> because toast. Of, because of that, I tend to like kind of be the antithesis to whatever's popular kind of thing. <laughs> just because I'm, I guess I'm a snob or whatever, or a, a yeah. hipster or whatever. I don't care, but whatever. <laughs> but um, but uh, I I tend to kind of shy away from things like that. But then when you mentioned, it was like I'm gonna do that, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. It's good. So it's it's popular yeah. for a reason. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's good. It's quick. Mm-hmm. Good for your skin. Just have to make sure yeah. you're eating the right bread because some bread. I I really Ezekiel personally bread. personally for me I really have to watch my sodium and some of the Ezekiel bread is really they high have in the sodium. Low, they have the low. Sodium they do have one. the low sodium one, but some of the a lot of the breads out there are really high in sodium. So I always have to really read the labels because yeah. when I when I uh, uh, when I um, eat too much sodium, I retain a lot of water, and then you know so. <laughs> Well, we're uh, we're over uh, almost an hour and a half. Uh, this has gone really quickly. So, yeah, well, um, tell it's us, been a great conversation. Very, very good conversation. Always, this always. is really enjoyable. Um, tell us where to find you and your work and all that lovely stuff online. Your your web presences, that sort of thing. Oh, sure. and your recommends. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What you, is there anything out? Yeah, let's do that first. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, bad podcaster. Um, <laughs> is there anything out in any form of media that that's out that? Maybe the other people haven't seen, or something that you, that you saw, or read, or listened to, or anything recently that really popped for you, and that you'd recommend to somebody else. I wish you would ask me that question beforehand, so <laughs> I could be prepared. <laughs> um, gosh, I can't think of it. You put me on the spot. Okay. I can't think All of right. anything. But if uh, I tell you what, I will give you 
the information about my web presence sure. and I will get back to you on that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> How about that? All right. Um, okay. So I'll post it on my Facebook page. So my Facebook page is Heidi Calvert Photography. Okay. And I have a website, HeidiCalvert.com, mm-hmm. which uh, I'm going to launch my new site pretty soon, but the old one's still up right now. Cool. You can check it out. Cool. You can contact me through there or through and We'll Facebook. put links up to all that uh, on the blog post. Awesome. So. Instagram at Heidi Calvert and Twitter at Heidi Blue Girl. At Heidi Blue Girl. Yeah, I know. I first knew you as Heidi Blue Girl forever and yeah. ever. Yeah, you can't really, I don't think you can change your Twitter name so easily. So yeah, well, actually, you, have to, you have to start a different account pretty much. Right, well, actually, no, I did try to change it and somebody else has that name. Oh, so that oh, is not me on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I still have Heidi Blue Girl. Yeah, I think I'm like, you know, too old to be Blue Girl now. So <laughs> I'm like, just me. <laughs> Yeah, my recommend, um, actually, this was like the sweetest and most romantic gesture anyone's done on a first date. Um, went on a date with this guy and he gave me two books. And the one that I want to recommend is called How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe. It's by Charles Yu. And the premise of it is it's this like guy in his 30s. He's like admittedly like a computer nerd, like, you know, kind of basement dweller type of guy. He's like, I'm overweight and I'm shy and I don't know how to talk to girls, but he works as a, a tech support monkey for Time Warner Time, which, you know, wow. is the corporation. Like, it's it's basically Time Warner has the monopoly on, on time, time travel. travel. There you go. Yeah. So he he's tech support for Time Warner Time's Time Machines. And so far, it's a really great book and I like it. It's just... Yeah, it's really interesting sci-fi, and it's nice to see not only an Asian author getting published, but an Asian protagonist in a science fiction book, because I feel like that's really rare, too. So, cool. Yeah. Cool. How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, I think my recommends I pretty much talked about in the podcast, you know, check sure. out Lost Angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll definitely put up another link for yeah, that, especially create- as the time is approaching. Yeah, and yeah. check out Creative Live. Mm-hmm. Those are, yeah, those are my two. Yeah, cool. about yeah, yeah it can be a web thing, it can be any kind of thing that you're recommending. Um, I'm banana ice cream. Right. Yeah, banana ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and find a recipe for the banana ice cream and put that up for too. For sure, that's we'll easy. Do a yeah. link for that, yeah. Um, Lately, uh, Danny and I have been going back through. Um, one thing I can recommend to anybody, if anybody out there has a Hulu subscription, there's a lot of stuff that Netflix and Amazon and other places don't have. And not that Hulu has everything, but they have a lot of, t- especially TV stuff, that you can't really get anywhere else. Obviously, there's a lot of things they don't have as well. But they just recently converted to a commercial-free uh, business model. Uh, you can do a different type of account. You can still do a commercial where you watch ads on your Hulu account, but if you pay $4 extra a month, uh, it takes the commercials out, and it's so worth it. We've been going back and watching the first five seasons of Community, which I had, we kind of came into Community late, that she was used to watch, and I came in late to the game, so we've been yeah. going back and watching the first, we just finished season one last night, and it's just, Community, I can't recommend it enough, because... With all the nerd culture that has swept everything everywhere all over, <laughs> community and, and you know and shows like uh, uh, Big Bang Theory and things like that 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 kind of are doing a pastiche of nerd culture, community really truly from an honest no bullshit you know sense from a real authentic standpoint is or was 
the most dirtiest show on television yeah. ever made. I mean, it I've really. Never seen it. These it's pe- so good. It's, it was on NBC, but really, don't let that scare you away. It, <laughs> you know, these days there are gems on network TV and um, Community. Goddamn, that show is just so damn good. You got mm-hmm. the acting talent of everybody who's in that show. And these are all people who are really, truly, genuinely nerdy in their real lives and, and in their um, kind of, you know, Hollywood presence. Yeah. And it shows through. And Dan Harmon and the writing and everything and all the references to other things. Well, and it's not condescending to nerds no. or making fun of them the way no. the Big Bang Theory is. Like, you can tell right. these people are actually passionate about a lot of the yeah. things that, you know, yeah. they Yeah, Big, Big the Bang show. Theory spends all its time making fun of people with OCD and making mm-hmm. fun of... You know, highlighting the foibles of being OCD and highlighting the foibles of being a nerd. Well, and like right. making fun of stereotypes. Yeah, making, <laughs> and making fun of women. And yeah, and you know that show does not really pass the the Bechtel Wallace test. Now, or it is called the Bechtel Wallace test, according to Bechtel. She said, "Yeah, she preferred to be called that." Yeah, um, you know, it doesn't really pass that because they're always talking about the guys on the show and and community well, does and it. Like making fun of you know the main girl in the show. It's like, right. oh, how do you not know this? Like, I feel like that show is just like, fake geek girls. Right, ah, right. You know. Right. <laughs> um, the season two of The Strain is good. Mr. Robot. It's all stuff I've talked about before. Uh, Wayward Pines. Jane the Virgin is on my list. I will get around to watching it, but there's you totally so should. much con- content. We will get to it. But right now, <laughs> we're just balls deep in community. It's just so damn good. I can't get enough. Um, uh, and... We got movies. I still haven't seen Man from Uncle yet. I really want to see that. Um, we got other. I think we're kind of at the end of the summer blockbuster season until pretty much until uh, either Star Wars or something else. Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm recommending. Hulu, you know, the, the, the no commercial thing for Hulu, and go back and watch Community because it's just so damn good. Um, Kitty, where, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at kittybrowndesigns.com. That's where my graphic design stuff lives. You can find me on Facebook as Kitty Brown. You can find me on Twitter as... Oh, I'm on Facebook as Kitty... Yeah, I'm on Facebook as Kitty Brown. I'm on Twitter as Kitty Brown. And I'm on Instagram as Kitty Brown Art. Because Kitty Brown was taken yeah. on Instagram. But, you know. Instagram. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I've been wanting to go back and get an Instagram account again, but but my my name I had a, had one and canceled it. If you do that, you're fucked. You, you can never get it back if you cancel your Aww. your account. Back in 2009, I canceled everything except Facebook, and I was able to get my Twitter account back, and I was able to get a couple other things back, but I can't get back Instagram. So yeah, Instagram is get. like. For being yeah. like, I'm I not going to be on I social know. media anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram could, is a cool And you're mistress. like, just kidding. And they're like, nope, too late. I could probably, <laughs> I, I'm sure I could probably do a something to XP Instagram, uh, or Instagram but uh, yeah, St. Michael is taken. So um, I'm at St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. You can find us online as something to XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog and listen to past episodes at something2xp.wordpress.com. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. Oh, and I also do have a St. Michael Photography website. That's www.stmichael.com. 
S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. It hasn't been updated in a very long time, and I don't have any of my old erotica or model shoots up anymore, but I do have uh, nature photography and just kind of uh, portraits and some other things. It's still there. There's still you know a few hundred pictures on there, so if you want, go check it out. Thanks very much, and uh, please remember, please be kind. You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your hosts, Michael John Simpson and Kitty Brown. Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. You can find us everywhere online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and WordPress. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.